Right. It was a lot of fun getting this microphone figured out earlier as I was shouting and yelling in here for those of you who were around. It was a lot of fun. My name is John, and I'm the college pastor here. And it's great to get to speak with you this morning. Uh, Let's just begin our time saying a word of prayer. Father, we, uh, we really just need you to speak to our hearts. Deep down, we need an encounter with the Father who is after us, who is graciously, compassionately, and kindly chasing after every area of our lives. Um, because you know that what you have for us is so much better than what we often set up for ourselves. And so, Lord, uh, our prayer is that this morning that we'd get closer to that place of right next to your heart, right there where your desires for us align um, with the desires of our own hearts. And so, God, that's our prayer. And so we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so last week, Neil talked about uh, so he, we began this series in Jonah. So he talked about the God who chases me will catch me. And um, so, you know, just this idea that as Jonah, he's straying from God. And, and we often have these places in our lives where we, we might want to run away from God. And yet God will indeed, no matter what way you think, I might be starting to stray or I'm kind of getting off. God will chase you down. So there's a whole confidence in that. In his love, he will chase you down. So I was actually thinking about this week. I don't know for any of those of you who were here with us last week. Um, we're thinking about that. You know, even Neil, during the kind of the time of worship at the end, was saying, hey, what ways might you be running from God a little bit? And what might God be speaking? So, so I was thinking about this in my own life. And um, while there's always different areas in my own life where I feel like I'm kind of running this way or that way and God's centering me back in... Um, I was actually reminded of a time earlier in my life where I saw this whole process unfold. And take you back five and a half years ago to a senior at Gordon College, and I'm sitting in intermediate microeconomics class, okay? And I begin to start daydreaming a little bit, which was not an uncommon occurrence in intermediate micro. But I start daydreaming, and I don't know if there's anyone who is maybe in your senior year of something, but probably, I bet, it's a lot more than just people in their senior year who might wonder, what's the next step in my life? What's coming next? Where am I, what am I going to do for work? Uh, will I pursue more education? Where am I going to live next year? All, all these things. It was kind of the beginning of, it was September time, and I had to start making some major decisions. So I had this, for the past eight years, felt like I had been saying yes to at least a a variety of degrees. You know, sometimes I was like, really yes? Sometimes I was like, okay, I think yes. But I was in the ballpark of a yes to God on this pastoral call that I felt like God had on my life since around the age of 14. So, so I'm saying yes, God, okay, I'll go this direction. Now, eight years later, I'm looking for what's going to be next. And I'm sitting in class, intermediate micro, and I start thinking to myself, you know, I've done pretty well in my business classes, because I did double major, Bible, and business. No, I was not planning on being a Bible salesman, nor am I still. But, um, anyway, it's usually a common response people have. But, so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, I've been doing pretty well in my business classes. Maybe I'll just go the route of business instead. Ah, it feels like there's so much pressure. 
that's attached to kind of walking down this pastoral route. And so let me fill you in on some of the internal things that were going on, even as I'm sitting here uh, in class daydreaming. I felt like there were some sin issues and some sin patterns in my life that were just, I, I wish they had been dealt with by this point in my life, and they just weren't. And so I was walking, especially in the past few months, as I started to look forward, okay, whoa, I'm going to be done college soon. Oh my goodness. And thinking, wow, I still have a bit of shame in these areas and I'm not sure I could go and step into this pastoral deal. I also felt highly inadequate. I felt, man, all these friends around me who are also maybe going this route, they have all this experience. They've spoken in public so many times. They, they just, they, they've had this ministry opportunity. And I was like, I haven't really done many of these things. I, I RA'd for two years. That was really fun. I learned a lot. But, um, man, I just really haven't had these ministry opportunities. I also, um, yeah, I, so I was just in this place of, oh, yeah, that was the other big thing. I was like, man, I look around and I hear these people who, they just are so close with God. And I was like, honestly, I've been really struggling in terms of feeling close to God. I don't feel like I'm really hearing him all that clearly, not really making a whole lot of time for him. Uh, so felt in that regard too, like if I was going to go and step into this pastoral thing, I needed to have these like rich, quiet times and be like just communicating with God. And I was like, I'm not, I'm just not right now. And so, so yeah, so I'm just a little discouraged. And in, the, in this moment, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I think I'm just going to do business. It just seems like so much easier. Then maybe over time, I'll be able to really get a handle on some of these sin issues. My walk with God will continue to grow. Whatever. And uh, I'll be honest with you, as this thought formulated, though, is the first time I ever fully gave it um, credence. Like, maybe I really will do this. Just pass on the pastoral thing and just pursue something in business. Um, it was really eerie. I felt really alone. And I still remember being almost startled that I had actually gone there. And then as I left class, I still felt this major kind of disconnect. And basically what had happened is, as Neil talked about last week, I, I had started to run. Uh, in a lot of ways, that was my south, one of my numerous <laughs> South Station moments. You know, Neil talked about being in South Station, just saying, I'm out of here. I'm done with church planning. It's too hard. I'll, this was me saying, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can keep going. South Station. Now, thankfully, it didn't take long for God to catch me. And so Neil talked about the God who chases me will catch me. It's a, it's a promise. And so it didn't take too long. Um, it's always been a prayer of my life. God, keep me on a short leash. You know, I can easily get out of, out of line and just start to kind of stray off. God, please keep me on a short leash. So... So it wasn't a week or two later where I'm at this worship service, and at the end of this time, there's a, an opportunity to respond and get prayer, much like we do here on Sunday mornings. You can just go and get prayer. And so they said, hey, if anyone needs prayer, if anyone just feels like you have a major issue and you're having trouble connecting with God, maybe someone will be able to help you connect with God as they pray for you. And I'm just like, yes, that's me. I'm just, I feel like I'm a wreck. Uh, my future is in, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, so I go forward, and I went up to this man. I, I hadn't shared a single thing that was on my heart about anything I was going through. And, and he's, the first thing he prayed was this. He just put his hand on my shoulders, and he said, God is larger than all of your plans, and you have not strayed from his plan and his anointing on your life. 
like the tears just started to flow. I mean, I'm in this place of genuinely feeling like I had abandoned God and that he had rejected me because I was honestly, I don't know if I can go this route, God. I have too much sin in my life. I have too much, I'm just too discouraged. Um, And then he went on to continue praying. God has a call on your life and you have not abandoned it and he has not abandoned you. And then he said, and he prayed a few other things. He said, why don't you just go lay on the floor? He, I was noticed, I mean, it wasn't just like a few trickles. It was like sobbing. And um, he's like, why don't you just go lay on the floor and spend some time with Jesus? And oh, I had, I had felt like I had heard static from heaven for so long. And I laid on the floor and it was like the clearest, one of the clearest moments in my life where I've ever heard God just start speaking to my life. It was like all the static had just gone away. And God just started to speak. He, I started to say, but God, I have all this sin. And I just felt like I was saying, yeah, but people have sinned greatly throughout all of history. And yet I've still called them. I still use them. And I still heal them. And I, but, but I don't spend enough time with you. And I felt like, I still remember, there was this almost laugh from heaven of God saying, John, everyone throughout history except Jesus has never spent enough time with their father <laughs> in heaven. So you're in good company. And, um, and I just cried out, poured these things out to God. And, and he just so assured me. And so, so there was a sense as I look back, wow, that what God caught me. You know, and thankfully I hadn't strayed too far. And, but our question this morning is, so when we start straying, God chases us. And he will catch us. He will catch you. But then how do we respond in those moments. So that's a question we want to ask this morning. How do we respond? And I'm not just talking about running from a, a calling to ministry, you know, whatever that would be. Because um, we really believe strongly here that there's actually a specific, unique calling on each person's life in here. Whether you've ever known Jesus or not, there's a calling from God on your life. There's some people in here who, it's so fun, I love as a college pastor, I get to talk with college students and hear passions emerge for helping people in areas of nursing. Um, people are love, they're longing to be teachers, you know, um, all different things, doctors, I'm in this like people helping field. You can be businessmen, I'm not trying to discourage the whole business route, it's just that it wasn't what God was calling me to. And so, so I want to affirm that there are different calls on each of your lives here. And, uh, and God wants to reveal them in his own time as you continue to pursue him. So just want to make sure that's clear. We're not just talking about like running from just this like holy missionary thing, as great as that is. Um, but let's throw it open even way beyond that. Last week, Neil talked about we can be running from God in the areas of obedience. Um, he might be calling us to obey in some way. We could be running from God because we keep choosing some sin, over and over, and we feel super discouraged about it, and we just feel like we keep choosing it, but, you know, we can be kind of straight, we, there could be relationships where God's just, you know, there's brokenness, and God's saying, I want you to mend that, I want forgiveness. There's a lot of different ways. I don't want you to pigeonhole it to just, okay, Jonah was running from this missionary thing, and okay, it doesn't apply to me. No, I think there's a word from God for each one of us this morning. Maybe it's just even a little way where you're kind of running. So the question is, how do we respond when God catches us? The neat thing is Jonah 2 is all about how Jonah responds to God as he catches him. So quickly, we'll just summarize where were we last week. There's a, there's a man named Jonah, prophet of God. He hears from God really well. 
and God says, hey, go to this place, Nineveh, really wicked, the city's in trouble, and uh, Jonah says, nope, don't think so. One, it's going to be terrifying because just for him showing up, they could kill him mercilessly on the spot, and so that's enough to frighten you, I think it would for me. But, and also, though, because he could very well have seen family members um, get killed in front of his eyes, tortured. This is a commonplace in Nineveh for what they would do um, to people. And so there was something in Jonah that was also saying, I don't know if I want to share this message of love and mercy uh, to these Ninevites. Uh, so, so, so he runs the other direction. He gets on this boat, this ship, and he's like going the other way. And this big storm... He gets thrown overboard, and then it's neat. In Jonah 2, or the end of Jonah 1, you know, it actually, it says that the Lord provides this great fish. It's interesting that sometimes, I remember, as I would think back on, like, my childhood understanding of Jonah, sometimes I would just think of, okay, so Jonah, that was just more of God's kind of judgment, maybe, or getting after Jonah, when actually this was provision because as we'll see in this prayer, Jonah was as good as dead once he was thrown overboard. Um, and it was the Lord's provision that actually came along. And it's, it's a weird, I don't know if that would be the number one provision I would want to be in the stomach of a, of a big fish. But anyway, that's what happened. And Jonah too is neat though, because even as I remember being a child, I would kind of, okay, so Jonah's in the belly and then he's, close your ears, Sarah Fulton, vomited onto the shore, you know, like, but I often didn't ever really think about what happened in between there. Was there anything that happened between Jonah and God while he was in this belly? You know, what took place? And there was a huge response of Jonah to God when this took place. So that's what we're going to be looking, about, looking at. So Jonah 2, 1. So he's in the belly. And, he sa- and it says this. It's from inside the fish. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. So what this prayer, again, it's all about is Jonah's in the, in the belly. He's in there. And he's going to be praying to God. So we're going to be looking at what is, the, what is it like when this man Jonah who is fleeing from God gets caught by God and then has to respond to God. And uh, it's going to be interesting because many of the verses actually, just to orient you, are flashbacks to what was going on as he's his life is wasting away in the middle of the ocean right before actually the whale comes and or it's not a whale necessarily but this great fish comes and and gets him it's kind of like lost i don't know if you've ever watched lost back in the day you know there's like a character and then the whole episode is like flashback kind of deal or at least part of it and so that's what we're going to be looking at part of this prayer is really just jonah flashbacking back there and one really important detail before we move on to the content of the prayer from just this first verse. It's easy to miss. It's not insignificant. It says that Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. We can be tempted to think that if we're in this place of kind of running or straying from God a little bit, that God is no longer like close to us. That the Lord is a really personal name for God, the Lord, Yahweh. He, he's no longer right with us. Yet even in the midst of Jonah's like deliberate rebellion, it wasn't even like, ah, maybe. He's like, I'm out of here, God. I'm not obeying your word. It still is an, it clear, it's an emphatic statement that he still prayed to the Lord his God. You know, so I've walked with enough guys and even dealt with some of it in my own life who, you know, have, like jo- Joanna's talking about, dealt with sexual sin. 
there's such a shame that can be attached with that to pornography and, and all these different things that are involved. And um, you can really start to believe, would God ever have me in the midst of this, in the midst of what I'm going through? You know, and there's all sorts of other sin issues that come up and we think, have I strayed too far? Is God really still my Lord? seems here that it is, that he is. You know, I was thinking that senior year, actually the core of all those things that I was dealing with my senior year was a fear of rejection. I had, I was terrified that God had somehow rejected me. I even remember thinking like, I mean, I still believe it all, but I feel like I'm not really walking super closely with you. Like, are we still in a relationship, God? Are you kind of, have you abandoned me? Have you rejected me? It's, it's incredible. And, um, you know, I, I talk with students who are de- struggling with depression. And I think, I just, I'm not sure God's anywhere around. I think he's disappointed with me or, you know, any of these things. But the good news is, and it, again, it's not insignificant, the Lord was still Jonah's God in the midst of his running. So let's, let's just remember that, that if you've put your trust in Jesus, you're part of his family, you're adopted in, you're a son and a daughter, and God's not going anywhere. He will not abandon you. So Jonah thrown overboard, he says, so, and then in this prayer, he's saying, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. So this is describing, it's kind of in the past tense there, it's describing what Jonah's crying out as he's wasting away and floating away, drowning in the water, kind of a frightening thing. Um, so it's kind of a good question, what do you do when you hit a really hard time or your life is wasting away. Now you may say, well, Jonah's got nowhere else to turn whatsoever. So he, of course he would cry out to God. He's in the middle of the ocean. That's, that's a good point. But at the same time, I've talked with plenty of people who might not be quite to that point of death, but they're pretty close and there's a lot of tough things that have happened and yet their heart has become so hardened with bitterness and pride that they actually can't and won't turn to God. And so I don't want you to think just because things get so bad, it immediately means that you're all of a sudden going to turn to God. There really is a place of humility where whether things are, we, we have some minor struggle or major struggle, we all are at the same place of in a moment being able to cry out to God or not to. And it doesn't necessarily need to, I would just encourage you, like, hey, look at the story. Learn the lesson before you're floating around in the water, like drowning. Cry out to God beforehand. And um, so, but man, it's just amazing that Jonah had this and he cried out to God. And then the neat thing is it shows God's character and heart. The Lord listened to his cry. So whatever, it, the Lord, that's compassion. It's not like he's distant. He hears it. The moment we hear and cry out, he's there. He's not going to turn aside and say, well, look, he, God so easily could have said, hey, Jonah, I told you so. I told you not to run. You know, I told you you had this word to give. And yet, God was right there and he listened to his cry. So let's, let's keep going. Verse three. So then Jonah's continuing. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the currents, they swirled ar- about me. All your waves and your breakers, they swept over me. Now, as I was reading this, as I was starting to prepare uh, a week or two ago, uh, I, I asked God, I was like, wait, that says that you hurled him into the deep, God. How do I preach on that? Like, you threw him over. And I just immediately felt like God was saying, I'm just snapping a lot this morning. But, um, 
I like immediately felt like God was saying, John, you don't need to sugarcoat what I do. You don't need to sugarcoat me or the way I act, and you don't need to defend or apologize for the way that I act. What you're reading is right. <laughs> I threw Jonah. Essentially, I was the one that got him over, and um, it, it, my hand was in it. And um, so, and then with that, I felt like I was saying, you know, John, there's something that I, I will never relent on, and that is getting my people dependent upon me and realizing that I am the only thing they need and I am totally what they need. I want my people to rely on me for everything, complete dependence on me. And so, John, I'll do what it takes to get people to rely on me and depend on me. So I'm not standing up here saying that every time something bad happens in your life, the str- I'm not trying to minimize the struggles you go through. I'm all and, and say that that's definitely God and he's right he's trying to get you to rely on him his you know there's a whole mystery to the the problem we're looking at it in our Endicott faith group like how do we handle and grapple with these questions of when pain happens and struggle happens to people that we know and they seem like great people you know I'm not trying to answer all that but what I do know is that here God was getting after Jonah and was wanting him to turn and depend on his father in heaven And so there may be some places in your life, I'll let the Holy Spirit be the one that applies this word specifically to your life, where, yeah, there are some really challenging scenarios, and God's wanting to use that to draw your heart closer to Him. So let's keep going. Jonah's still, he's saying, he's looking back. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. He's so specific. Uh, To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. O Lord, my God. It's like in these four or three verses, it's like Jonah saying the same thing two different times. First in verse four, he's saying, I said, I was banished from your sight. Yet, he sees that God had actually brought this great deliverance. Yet, I will look again towards your holy temple. And then he says again, hey, the waters engulfed, they threatened me, deep surrounded me, wrapped around my head. Uh, I was barred in forever. It's like, I was as good as dead. I was gone, basically. But you brought my life up from the pit. Basically, Jonah realizes that he absolutely, 100% deserved death. He deserved to die in that place. Nothing that he had done was deserving of the deliverance that God brought. So he deserved death, and yet God brought deliverance. And it's so neat that Jonah's whole prayer, he's just kind of marching along this lesson that God's teaching him. And this is an essential piece where he's getting it. He's saying, wow, I need, or I, I deserve death, and yet I'm getting deliverance. You know, this is like... you. If you're familiar with church settings, maybe you've heard of the word grace before. If you're not, um, there's this word grace, and it's more than just something that we say before we pray uh, for a meal. But what, what grace, the essence of it is, is that God pours out mercy and favor and kindness on our lives, even when we don't deserve it at all. And that's what Jonah's getting at. He's realizing this amazing grace. Think about it. He ran away in disobedience. He put all these sailors at risk, and he also as a result, is potentially leaving like 120,000 people who need to know of God's love, unable to hear of God's love. 
And yet, in the midst of that rebellion, God still turns and, and in a moment's time, provision comes. He cries out to God and God responds. It's amazing. In verse 7, it's, almost, it's like the same dynamic. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. It's like he's reiterating the same thing. Just, God, I get it. I'm, I'm in this fish and I get it. My life was ebbing away. I did not deserve deliverance, but you gave it to me. Not because I earned it or did anything great, but I simply cried out to you. I just... I, had, I just cried out to God, and you listened. Oh, thank you, God. You know, sometimes I think that in my life, I'm like a rechargeable battery, okay? So, bear with me here on this analogy here. It's like, the more I sin, the more the kind of like spiritual power or closeness to God just kind of like drains and drains, and, or, or I start to run a little bit, and, and I just sort of drain, and the life gets out of me, and I kind of lose it, and... Uh, then eventually I'm just dead. I'm kind of like Jonah was here. You know, I'm just dead. And then I think, oh, I need to get some life back in me. So I need to go and fast for three days. I need to go. And now I, if I just spend like three days in prayer, surely then I'll start to get all the life back in me. And, um, and God will be pleased with me again. Or I need to confess every known sin at every moment in time, even though I've already confessed it 500 times already. I need to do it again. Because then God will just welcome me right back. Or I need to go help him. There are tons of ways. And yet we're actually not like that as this rechargeable battery. Um, It's like in a moment we cry out to God and we're 100% recharged. Because of our connection with God. He's so gracious. That's what grace is. You call out and immediately he gives us the power to keep going on. To keep moving forward and to reunite with him. So even in this pit of disobedience God heard in an instant and so all of this these prayers these seven verses six verses they're leading up to the climax of what this whole prayer is really about which is verses eight and nine I love it and this is where we get the answer to this question how do we respond to God when he catches us so verse eight so this is now Jonah he's he's kind of bringing us back in he's in the whale and he's saying okay God I get it. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Now, Jonah's getting it. Because what he's saying with this whole worthless idol thing, what do you go to, what do we go to to cry out for help? When we need help, when we're struggling, when we're longing for security in our lives, when we want comfort in our lives, when when we have these needs or we're just lonely, what do you run to for help? What's that thing you go to? And Jonah's getting it, and he's saying, man, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. It was in the instant that Jonah cried out to God and asked for help that he let aside all the idols. Literally, it's like the worthless nothings. And yet, we put these things up that are worthless nothings in our lives, like just having more money or having security in our future or just watching TV forever to get lost in another kind of person's life and not deal with the stuff that God's doing in our own lives. And yet God's after, cry out to me for help. I'm the one who you should be crying to. And so Jonah's getting it. Saying, man, 
I'm going to cry out to God. And that's where the grace comes from. And so it's not something that's earned. It's not something that you can just fast and pray for enough. But there is a place of calling on the Lord where he responds and he comes to us. So that's what Jonah's saying here. I don't want to forfeit this grace. I called to God. I didn't deserve it. He rescued me. And then he says this, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. So here it is. This is how we respond to God. Ah, it's so good. We res- when God catches you, respond with gratitude. You don't have to respond with earning his love back, with doing more good things. Uh, there will be a time of obedience that will eventually come again, but that's actually kind of next week's sermon in Jonah 3. Um, but in the meantime, respond with gratitude. So when God catches you, because he will, he's after you, respond with gratitude. This can be a little confusing, but uh, with a song of thanksgiving, we'll sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. What the language is all about here is Jonah basically saying, I'm vowing to offer my sacrifice of thanksgiving to you. And so, so, you know, there was this whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament. And now it wasn't the sacrificial system of needing to offer things to God that made people, that got people their forgiveness. It, it was, it's always been the loving kindness and the grace of God that has forgiven people of sin. But it was a way that was set up, especially so that people could experience that forgiveness so that they could know they could see it with their hands um, you know when they're slaughtering this animal and, and they're realizing whoa this is what I deserve and yet God's forgiving me you know they could experience the forgiveness in such a tangible way and so Jonah's saying I'm going to come with thanksgiving for what you've done and I'm going to offer my sacrifices to you which is all about him being aware of restoration of relationship because we think about that in the, the New Testament, but it was the same in the Old Testament. God was after a relationship. He always wanted to be closely walking with his people. And so I'll just encourage you, um, as you respond with gratitude, don't just rush ahead to, oh my gosh, God caught me. What do I have to do now to make him happy with me or to make him pleased with me? Let God restore you back to a place of relationship. Hear him. Hear him love you. Speak his words of love over you, his kindness for you. Um, the things that are going on deeply. You know, when I was laying on the floor at, at that worship service in my senior year, I was one of the first times God really highlighted this fear of rejection that was in my life. And he did so much during what I guess we could refer to as this like carpet time where I'm just like a mess on the floor. He did so much in that time when I could hear him speaking over my voice. It's amazing what the voice of the Father in heaven speaking over us can do rather than if I just thought, oh, okay, I just gotta, I just gotta get to it. Uh, why are we on the floor here? I realized I, I was messed up. I gotta obey. I would have gone right down that same path of just starting to run off again if I hadn't let God deal with those areas in my life that you need to speak into. So let God restore you to that place of relationship. Um, It's really really neat just... Well, so I got a glimpse into this whole like gratitude thing um, when I was in Sri Lanka two summers ago. So I'm really good friends with the family there, the Divisors, and so Pastor Adrian's the father, and then my good friend is Prashan. And I learned something about gratitude. 
and especially what it does to the heart of a father um, when a gift is given or when kindness is shown. And so Prashan, well, he's busy going all about the country. He's, he's crazy, but he needed a car. And so in Sri Lanka, not everyone has cars. I mean, in America, not everyone, but a lot of people. It's pretty common when you have a car to get places. It's not like that in Sri Lanka. It's hard to afford. Roads are different, you know, all the things. But Prashan really needed a car. And so the, the Bissers, the, they're not poor. Um, God totally provides for their needs, but they're not exactly rolling in the dough either as a leader of a church planning movement. And so Pastor Adrian, though, had get, he had been saving this money for a long time. I guess it was like basically a savings account. Um, and he emptied almost the whole thing so that he could buy Prashan a car. And it was amazing for me to actually get to be there and go around the block in the first car. Prashan hadn't driven a stick in years, and it was just so fun that I got to be a part of his first drive in his car. And it was just a fun friend moment. Um, but just going around, almost hitting these stray dogs and stalling every, like, two feet. But, uh, but anyway, so later on, I remember Pastor Adrian talking to me and saying, you know, John, I actually emptied, like, almost my whole savings account just so Prashan could have this car but I, there's nothing else that I wanted to do. This is the exact way. This may, it may come back to bite us a little bit. It might be hard, but there's nothing I wanted to do with this money than to spend it on my son. And I just remember thinking, wow, if that were me, and I think Prashan even would have some of this reaction too, but it'd be almost hard to receive that knowing the sacrifice that his dad was making for him. And yet, if he had reject, if he had not responded, if Prashan had not responded with gratitude, that would have just been like a slap in the face to Pastor Adrian, who long, who desperately wanted to give this gift. And yet, took a little sacrifice. But it just taught me something about gratitude. And, um, and how gratitude brought, when Prashan received that and welcomed it, it also brought great delight to the heart of Pastor Adrian. You know, it's the same way with God. That when he reaches down, even if it's in our disobedience, even if it's in our sin, no matter what it, and he spares us, or he saves us, or he responds in great love and compassion, if we, if we don't receive it, and then we don't respond with gratitude, it, it actually hurts his heart, because he just wants to love on you. I don't, if you feel like you don't deserve it, and so you just want to like turn away, oh, I don't deserve the love of God, I'm too bad, that's the whole point. Jonah understood that he didn't deserve it at all. And that's why he could respond with such gratitude because he didn't deserve it. And he's, out of that flows, wow, God, thank you so much. So I just encourage you this morning, respond to God with a heart of gratitude. And because um, he is, he's catching your lives. And when he catches you, respond with gratitude. I'm really excited that we get to respond even to this word with communion this morning. That's going to be the primary way that we respond. Um, I guess the worship team can come forward at this point. And um, it's fun to respond with communion because for those of you who are here and at some point in your life have said, have basically done as Jonah did, you've called on God, especially because you realized your sin, you realized how much you needed God to save you from it in an eternal way, 
if you're here and you've called on Jesus, you've already at least been caught by God once. And that is in the most important way. And that is the way with eternal significance. When God has caught you and you've called on Jesus and trusted in him, you're sealed, secured forever. And you get to be with God. And it's awesome. So that's what we respond with, that heart of gratitude when we take the elements in communion. We're saying, thank you, God, for saving me. You've caught me. You know, we can all respond with gratitude this morning. You've caught me. Now, maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I don't know that I ever have had that moment where I've had to call on God and really put my trust in Jesus. This is almost a new idea for you. you. Um, Well, I think that God may have an invitation to you even this morning to call on God. The reason that a group this size can gather and, and worship Jesus is because he's caught us. We didn't earn any of this. We didn't earn to be in a right relationship with him. But Jesus, you know, living 2,000 years ago, uh, came to this earth and lived a perfect life, a sinless life, but then took, a punish- took the punishment that all of us deserved so that, you know, we would have peace. There we go. We're figuring out the lights. This is great. You can turn that back on then if you hit the top one, I think. Yes. Um, And so, but the thing is, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and taking this punishment that all of us deserved, it was way beyond just a physical torture. It was. It was gruesome. It it was horrendous. But Jesus actually experienced the entire judgment and curse of God on himself that every one of us deserved. He experienced the weight of all of our sin so that we could walk in peace. You know, the scriptures say that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And so there's a peace that God releases to us in Jesus when we call on him and he rose again three days later to overcome sin and death. And now, how do we receive that full forgiveness of sin? How do we let God, how how does he catch us? We simply, like Jonah, we just call on the name of the Lord. In Romans it says that all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Will be saved, hands down. And so that's the invitation this morning. For those of you who here who have called on the name of Jesus, let's remember it. You know, I remember back uh, by my bedside, calling on the name of Jesus as a seven-year-old, realizing that I lied to my mom. I had a lot of junk in my life and just being amazed that God loved me and he wanted to be in a relationship with me. And then I can remember other times calling on him and him snatching me as an insecure 13-year-old and putting a call on my life and loving me. I just respond with gratitude. I'm so thankful. And so this morning, the goal is connect with God relationally you know let him bring you back into that place of close relationship and if you're here and you've never called on the name of Jesus I'm not even going to give you the words to say okay call on the name of Jesus call in your own way let the prayer and the desire rise up to just call on the name of Jesus and I guarantee you he will respond and if you're here and you've never done that do it and come and take these elements with us and so when we're when we're celebrating this We remember what Jesus did before he was crucified. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So if the servers could come up, and that would be people on our leadership team, um, could come up and serve, that'd be great. Just going to offer a word of prayer just as we go into this time. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus, uh, that you caught us. Many of us here are sitting here with crazy stories of when you reached down and in your loving kindness you caught us. And God, far be it from us to run the other direction and not respond in gratitude, honest gratitude, not sugarcoating our prayers. I mean, we can be real with you. And I pray that, God, as we take and remember the body and the blood of Jesus and what you did for us and the, on the cross, God, I pray that there would be a gratitude that would rise up and there would be a coming close to you that some of us have been avoiding because we've been afraid that you abandoned us. I thank you, Jesus, that you took the rejection of the Father when you cried out, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me so that we would never have to experience the rejection of our Father in heaven? So this morning, God, would you speak to us? Would you speak our name personally? Personalize what it is you're doing and give us the grace to call out to you in the midst of whatever's going on. So Father, we love you. We love you so much. And so we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.